about Trying to figure out what it's all about Excellentialist Am I worth anything or just a scout? I don't know I don't know That was Great Sounds of Watts with Outside on WNHH LP 103.5 FM New Haven Myself Prestige with my partner in crime Long Island Raised Elm City Made E-Z Blues is in the building Easy Blues, you're better than introductions more than me. Who do we have with us today on Behind the Brand? Ladies and gentlemen, once again, we want to put the keys in the DeLorean. We want to throw it up to 88 miles an hour. And we want to go back, back, back to the before times, back to walking into a building, seeing someone hanging out on a stairwell, and truly understanding what it was like to try to immerse themselves into a scene and to juggle what it was like holding employment and education and dealing with a, a city that was brand new to them and finding out exactly who they were, why they were here and what truly mattered. This person from Jump to watch them grow and just blossom into the human being that they stand before us today with has been such an incredible journey and one that I, I am blessed to say that I at least had a bit part in, and I like bit parts because they, you know, work out really well when you're looking at the big, the big picture of, of things. But it's plain and simple. This is someone who has taken the idea of deconstruction in a in the religious aspect, and has really understood and grown from it. This is a person who has led the hearts of the youth to move forward. This is a person that rocks it out on TikTok on an everyday basis and is truly understanding what it is to be a follower of Christ in a world that tells you if you're different, you are wrong. I want you to put your hands together, not if you're driving. If you're driving, please keep your hands dependent too. We don't need any accidents. But put your heart hands together for the amazing, the incredible, the absolute awesome, and just a heck of a person to talk to, Mariah Felder. Welcome, Benvenue. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm so excited to be here. Well, see, this is this is one of the things that I love about this show is we love to tell these different types of stories, but it's also a matter of you know we we let you know we're allowed to have family come through the show, and and you are someone that I 100 percent you you are family whether you want to be part of family or not at this point, um, you know. But what's really really incredible about about your story is you know you came out to New Haven through Yale through uh, the Gibbs School. Um, and I love something that you said to me when we, I first started talking about deconstruction um, was I, I went to the Gibbs School. I was pretty much, you know, bred into, you know, the, the philosophy of deconstruction. Now, for those that are, you know, playing the home game, what exactly is deconstruction when we're talking about, you know, Christianity? So uh, I like to think of deconstruction as kind of uh, taking apart the faith as, uh, as it's often given to us, right? If you think of, uh, of faith and religion as a, uh, as a Lego tower, right? It's kind of like it's seeing what, is, uh, what, what makes up all of those things and where do we get those pieces and how do we put all of those things together and questioning should those pieces actually belong there. Um, so in the context of faith, it's saying, okay, so you're telling me that, you know, this is the one way to live. So how did we get here? Show, like, show your work here, right? Like, show me how you mm -hmm. got these answers. And then let me decide um, for myself, does this actually make any sense? Uh, what are, what, where did this come from? What are the roots of, of these beliefs? Um, and deciding if this is something that I want to uh, continue to, to believe and continue to live my life. That's awesome, you know, and, and I always kind of look at it too um, for, for those that like to play the, the cultural home game. And I know there's a whole bunch of people are going to get really mad at, at, at this analogy. And that's why I think I'm going to love it even more. Um, I kind of look at um, corporate Christianity as, you know, serving un, under the empire. And at first, you know, you're supposed to fight these robots and, you know, you, you're following the, 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 the senator to the end of the thing. And then you realize Order 66 happens. And you've been the bad guy the whole time. If you look back mm -hmm. through history, you know, there's there's a real deep hurt when you're dealing with, you know, um, forced Christianity on different types of cultures, different types of tribalism, 
instead of allowing, say, unconditional love to just coat, coat and to let that go through. How do you think we've gotten so far away from love everybody to love the people that agree with you? I think uh, I think it is honestly uh, human nature at at, uh, at its core, right? Because uh, the 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 message of Jesus, right, to love everybody was essentially like it was so countercultural, so um, just against what was happening at the time that he that they killed him, right? So like, mm-hmm. this is not a message that is easily digestible and like one that is easily put into practice. Um, and I think we even see in Acts, like uh, Peter and Paul, like Peter was like, yeah, I was with Jesus. And he said to love everybody, but these Gentile folks, they're real <laughs> different, right? And they don't follow the customs that we right. follow. So do we have to include them, right? Mm-hmm. And this is like, this is, only a couple of years after Jesus had died, right? So the yeah. farther we get from, uh, yeah, from the life of Christ, right, the more and more we we start to 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 struggle with what does that really mean? And then when you pair uh when you pair faith and uh, empire, faith and uh, government and structures, um, it always is going to uh going to seek to control and to exclude, right? So when you, <clears throat> I don't, re- I really don't want to nerd out. It is not my goal. But like, if you go back to like Constantine, like making, right. you know, Christianity, like the dominant religion, right? That's automatically going to say that if you are for us, you are for us. And if you're against us, then like the, the extension of love, everybody doesn't, doesn't uh, extend to you because you are not for us. Um, and then when you add capitalism in the mix, like, you can uh, you can exploit Christianity to make money off of it and to control uh, politicians and control uh, you know lawmakers. You're like, oh man, like I, if I can manipulate this to control people and to get what I want, what does it matter that I'm actually you know how how what does it matter that I'm actually sticking true to what the initial tenets of my faith says because I can manipulate it for my own gain. Thank you. A lot of people are so super mad right now, and I'm so super happy about that. No, because at the end of the day, you know, it's it's this all or nothing type of aspect, and it's it's this very easy to motivate people through fear, um, and it's one of the easiest things out there. It's also very easy to motivate people through um, dislike. It's one of the reasons why um, our military basic training villainizes um, a, a drill sergeant, and the drill sergeant is able to be as mean as humanly possible. Because that'll unite, you know, these mass, these 60 strangers that I've never met before are going to unite for their hatred on this one person. And that's what's going to get them through basic training. Um, and it's that same type of principle that just goes back and it is so ingrained in the human DNA. And that's why I think, you know, we see a lot of that, that disconnect from what I call Christ, pe- people who follow Christ and, you know, corporate Christianity. Um, and although it's always spoken and, you know, it seems really, really spoken in certain areas, you know, that community is so super important. It also becomes community is important as long as you, you know, you don't have to see things a hundred percent our way that, you know, look at it like this. We have to look at it as a big tent and, you know, so it's an 80, 20. So that 20% that you're uncomfortable is part of someone else's 80%. But when that 20% is based on lies and that 20% dehumanizes other people just for being themselves, you know, I've, I've talked about this a lot of times. I will never understand why there is such an issue with the LGBTQ plus community and Christianity when the first time I truly saw God's unconditional love and how it could change someone for the best was watching Queer Eye for the straight guy. You watch somebody there just surrounded by five strangers that just love them for a week and tell them they're amazing for a week. And you watch the positive changes on this person. 
how can the corporate Christian structure say that that's not Christ's love? If that's exactly what we were supposedly called to do, how do you wrestle with that as for someone who, you know, you, you're actually, you're a teacher. I'm just a big mouth. You, you know, you, you've actually ju jumped into the aspect of it. I try to stay as far away from it as possible because they don't want me to leave. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, when I initially started, you know, kind of this deconstruction uh, journey, as I like to think about it, I, even as I was wrestling with uh, being affirming of the LGBTQ community, I was like, so at the end of the day, like, I would rather stand before God and say I included too many people and mm -hmm. like I I took love you I took love everyone too seriously than not seriously enough. Um, mm -hmm. and I saw that I could never I could never kind of uh, hold together being stringent on belief um, in a way that harmed and hurt real people. Right? Mm -hmm. Like I uh, I think at at my core I've always said and I've always taught that uh, the end of the, the goal of theology, right, should be uh, for people to feel free, for, pe for people to feel loved and to, uh, to be living their abundant life. And if I'm holding a theology, if I'm practicing, practicing a theology that is creating the opposite, then there has to be something wrong with my theology. Because what is it producing? Like what's the fruit that it's producing, right? To use Christian language, right? So if it's not producing, good things and it's making people hate themselves to feel like God hates them to feel like their life isn't worth living then that's a theology that isn't worth holding on to um and I think logically right before I could even before I even got to you know uh proper interpretation of scripture and translation and errors around that I was just like all right like I have to kind of love and accept everyone purely for the fact that like I know people who are queer and have, I cannot think of one queer uh, Christian that has not at some point considered like that life was not worth continuing to live. Mm -hmm. there, there, there's something wrong there, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, there has to, so there has to be an issue with the theology and not the people, right? right. Um, so that was how I always had to square that in my mind. No, and and that's a, an incredible point too, because you know you really do have to look at where where that flaw lands. And I believe it was Camus, and I could be wrong. I, I say this quote all the time, but I always mess up who 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 originally said it. But the the biggest joke in the world is God made humans in their image, and then humans went around and and returned the favor. Um, and and that's really what what we start to see. And we see it as far, like, this is not new, guys. Like, everyone who's like, oh, yeah, we totally see this with the, you know, MAGA people and blah, blah, blah. There were crusades. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, there was the Inquisition, you know, where literally they would, you know, lock people in an Iron Maiden until they converted to Christianity. This is not new. We're being play played the same soundtrack over and over again. It's just this time it's sampled a little bit different. This time it's got a little bit more flair on, on it, you know. But now, as you are, are growing and continuing to move, you know, you are now taking more of that forefront look. You, you know, you're you are saying, okay, this is what this is is what is tolerable, this is what isn't tolerable as for, for behavior. Boundaries are important. And how do we, as the people like say, just getting into being followers of Christ? How do we go through and be able to maintain love everybody, even that person that is spewing venom, spewing, you know, um, spewing some of that hatred, spewing a lot of that hurt? You know, I, I like to talk about it as the original point of hurt as per, you know, everyone who most of the, the guys that have issues with people with, with the trans community got the living daylights beat out of them by, by uh, you know, a male figure when they ran around in their mom's heels. And that's really the person we have to sit and talk to, that hurt child. Um, but how do you go about this unconditional love but not tolerating the toxic behavior? And how can we do that in a Christ-like way? Um, I think love looks different um, for mm -hmm. everybody. And what loving people 
looks like is different. Uh, we're supposed to love everybody, but not uh, nowhere does it say that we can't have boundaries with people. Um, and I think it depends on, uh, yeah, how much folks are willing to engage, right? So if I under if I understand that there are folks who are are stern in their beliefs, who are not trying to have a conversation, who are not trying to to understand, I can love you from a distance and, and still create uh, hard rigid boundaries and say that I'm not going to let let you be close to me, to hurt me, to 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 spew your venom on me, right? I can I can wish the best for you. I can wish you know that you find joy and happiness and liberation in your own way and not wish harm on you, but still keep you at our arm's length. Um, right. Out of, uh, as my uh, my grandmother from the South uh, used to say, you can't, uh, sometimes you gotta feed people out of a long handle spoon, um, right? Mm -hmm. Like I have to love you from a distance, right? Um, and that means that you get my best wishes from, from afar um, because we can't allow, because I don't think that we're in, that love is intended to, uh, to allow everybody access to us to hurt us and to tear us down um, and I think sometimes Christianity is like well you know if we love everybody then we have to bring everybody in the same way no I don't um, and I think that also goes to family members and things like that where if folks are determined to treat you uh, in a way that is not aligned with love then you you can uh yeah you can keep your distance mm. have those boundaries no. exactly yeah it, it, it's, I don't think God calls us to be fools. No, 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 not at all. I agree. I mean, sometimes, sometimes, they, you know, sometimes, they, you know, sometimes God, God wants God you to be a fool. Sometimes, God likes when sometimes, I jump around and, and act a fool. Um, yeah, no, maybe yeah. that's your own opinion. I don't think God wants fools <laughs> in his kingdom, but that's just me. No, God told me it's fine. I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm a not a pastor or anything. I don't. You know, I don't even think God wants you to consider yourself a clown. He wants you to see yourself as a valued person, but. That's just my point of view in life. Continue on with this interview. <laughs> and I don't want to go further into that. I don't want to say nothing I don't know about. But I don't think God wants fools and clowns and, you know, weirdos. And he wants the elite. <laughs> yeah, right. That, no, no. That, that, but that's opinion. the thing. I, yeah. And that... And and that and that's what one of the most incredible things because that is the one thing that I have discovered throughout the entire thing. Mm -hmm. Yes, God does. God wants you at your weirdest. God wants you false and all. You know, if you have a huge boil on your neck, where God's gonna give you, you know, something cool like an extra gold spinner necklace just for that boil because when it's there, it's there. You know, it says the meek will inherit the earth. It doesn't say the top echelon will inherit the earth. I'm not okay. saying that. I'm not saying that. No, no, no. I know, no, no. I, I know, I know oh, you're not. Oh. I know you're not. But I, I love, I, <laughs> I love that 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 we got there, because right. that that is one of the most important things. Uh -huh. Is we become so super conditioned. Mm -hmm. It is through you know the sociological evolution of how a word is supposed to be. You know, you you can if anyone's ever read Derrida's grammatology, I'm sure you've thrown it against the wall 17 to 18 times. Because he uses language to disprove language. But the basic aspect of it, Derrida, oh, he's Derrida, a philosopher. Gotcha. Derrida. And the, na the name of the book is called Grammatology. Okay. But he uses language to disprove language. So it's a lot of running around. It's really annoying. And you, you, say, you say words I can't say on the radio um, hmm. when you read the book. But the basic, if you boil it all down, the basic uh, thought process is what, is what makes C-A-T cat? You were taught that it was cat. What made the person who taught you that any smarter than you currently? Nothing. So if your source material is already flawed, how can it be perfect here? And that's something that we really, really need to, to look forward, uh, look into. And that's what I really loved about people who start to take more of that interpersonal relationship with Christ. You know, because whether you call, you know, when you call the a bill. He's cool being called Bill, you know, he's cool with just hanging out, like ch chilling in your room, you know, doing some whatever you're doing. You don't have to show up on Sunday in your best gear, rocking that huge fan because it's hot as heck in there and sitting there for 37 hours. You know, you can have that personal relationship where you wake up and be like, what's up, Jesus? Hey, Ben, kind of, you know, 
You know, hey, I man, on WNHHLP 103.5 FM New Haven, myself, Prestige, and my partner in crime, Long Island Rays, Elm City Made, EZ Blues is in the building. Let's praise him. Uh, Mariah, uh, since we're talking about books and everything, are you an <laughs> author? Are you like an author? Uh, Have you ever like, like created anything? Like I hear contract here. I've seen all these multitasks with this resume you just gave us for your bio. Like, have you ever considered not, doing not a book? Not uh not yet. Uh, right. I'm in some talks with uh with some folks uh about possibly turning uh, a sermon that I, I preached uh, up in Massachusetts. Um and some folks there reached out to me about possibly wanting to collaborate uh and expanding that on a book. So uh the 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 talks are there. It's you know it's in the works, but um but not as of yet. Okay, explain to me this. You said you're a New Yorker in Virginia. Break it down to me. <laughs> Okay, so uh, born in Queens, New York, lived okay. there, and so I was nine years old, um, gotcha. and then happened to move to Virginia, but never, uh, never connected with Virginia, never became a Virginian, and then first first chance I I got to come back up to the Northeast, I did, so that's how I ended up in New Haven uh, in 2016. Now, which Virginia we're talking? We're talking about country Virginia, or we're talking about you know this like a little bit like a little city life in there, like Hampton no, or like it, Newport News? Because I'm because I was born in Virginia. That's what I'm asking. Okay, so I'm from right. Chesapeake, which oh uh, wow, okay, is, yeah, it's pr it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty country out there. And now my parents live in Suffolk, which is straight country. Oh, um, definitely, definitely, you, know. it, it, you, you can't so, go more country yeah. than Suffolk. Yeah. It's yeah. It's that's not never been my never been my style. You know, I love that my family loves it. Um, <laughs> I go visit a couple times a year, but it's not for right. me. You get a couple pounds down there. Oh, for sure. You know, uh, <laughs> I mean, so my, so to paint the picture for you though, like my my parents' church is across uh -huh. the street from a corn from a cotton field. Mm, so you oh just see like so you just drive and you just see cotton. Oh, that's crazy. Um, yeah. Just and I'm like. So there's like real, like there's still yeah. cotton that like grows out of the ground somewhere, mm -hmm. and it's here. Oh yeah. Um, mm -hmm. that's a different level of country to me. Um, oh, and I'm not built for it. Yeah, and I had those flashbacks yeah. too. Um, um, me and my sister we went to the Colonial Williamsburg, and uh, we saw just everything in the past. It didn't like uh, hold back on mm -hmm. nothing. Um, I think the only thing that didn't hold back was obviously you know what I'm saying like those people used they had actors who were slave workers back then and they stopped i think in like the late 70s early 80s yeah. they just stopped it and that's recent mind you mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that that that's so recent so like i understand those flashbacks but um you did go to hampton university uh, that's actually where my parents yeah. met so i'm um, like where wow. yeah Amazing. it's crazy yeah, yeah it's really crazy so like I, I got a lot of ties to virginia um so i can talk about Virginia all day but um <laughs> what major did you go into Hampton University? Um, did that lead? Was it communications? Did that lead like going up there? Like, please break it down to us. Yeah. So, uh, I guess the the full story is uh, yeah. I ended up transferring to Hampton University. So initially, oh, I went okay. to a small school in Lynchburg, Virginia, uh, mm -hmm. called Lynchburg College. Uh, why I went there, I'm still not sure I did. Um, and initially I went uh, right. as a communications major, mm -hmm. um, thinking I was going to end up being a sportscaster because uh, I did, that was what I did in high school, did radio, did newspaper, all of those things. Um, so went to Lynchburg College for two years and I was like, essentially I did everything I wanted to do in two years. I was like, uh, so I'm president of Black Student Association. Like I've done all of the things. Um, and also it's Lynchburg, Virginia. It's kind of racist. I'd rather get out of here. Um, I so I ended up transferring to Hampton, uh, and I changed my major to sociology because I realized that that was really what I wanted to do. Uh, mm -hmm. As like an 18, 19 year old, I was like, man, I'm going to save the world from racism because if, I was like, I think if I have a, a, a thought through case, right? Like if you, if you explain the logic of why it's wrong, like, of mm -hmm. course, like people will change. Yeah. I was very, uh, I was very optimistic at 19 years old, and I thought I was gonna like save the world. Um, but, uh, but I really enjoyed my time at Hampton. I love my home by the sea, uh, and yeah, it definitely was, uh, was an education that changed my life. For you sure. had, you had a lot of crabs, you had a lot of shrimp, you had a lot of scallops. Oh, for um, sure. 
<laughs> for sure. I mean, there, there's no way you you are enhancing and don't eat well. Also. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. It, it, it's it, it's a new experience. Um, easy. Your finger is up. You're turning red. Yeah, what? Right. First of all, that, I'm that's a signal. Go ahead. I'm, yeah, I'm starving. That was that was amazing. I, mm -hmm. I heard shrimp and, and crab legs and. Oh yeah, crabs is completely different in Virginia. It's like yeah. religion. <laughs> I've heard. I, you know, mm -hmm. I did spend a little bit of time at Fort Lee and, and Fort uh, Houston. Oh yeah, that's right. That's um, right, that's right. Oh, you meant the stuff you eat. Totally oh, yes. Oh wow. Okay. You word, went there word. with the guests we have. You went there. My God. I, Go I, ahead. I continue. Because I can. Because <laughs> I can. Look. He, 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 he knows I'm not faced by it. Exactly. That's why. Like Look. There might be a reality where Mariah mm -hmm. and I would be the one sitting in the back of of, of a church, you know, spit talking. <laughs> I mean, what's going on right now? I'm just I saying mean, it's, it's kind of it's kind of what I do. So you know, yeah, well, it's 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 just just the way just the way things go. But no, at the, at the end of the day, I think it's it's really interesting too because you know, one being as pale as I am and growing up, you know, in you know Long Island, New York, and now out here in CT, I've seen a very small part of the aspect um but like i know me personally when when i when i spin the thing i'm like oh where do i want to live now where do i want to go back now um if it ever landed on a place with you know lynchburg i'm it would terrify me to go there what was it like for you to kind of embrace that because what's what's merely a weird inconvenience for me is a generational traumatic fear for y'all um and i would love to know a little bit more about that journey yeah, so it was uh, it was definitely interesting, and I think in some ways, uh, because I had grown up in Chesapeake and kind of had become uh, almost uh, numb or desensitized to uh, to the the racism, to the microaggressions, um, right? Like I was like, well, it can't be anything. It can't be anything worse than you know middle school, high school, right? Uh, my first time riding the bus in Virginia, um, there were kids talking about lynching me as a fourth grader, right? So they were picking out trees in my yard as the bus dropped me off, making jokes about lynching me, right? So Lord. that was my introduction to Virginia. Right. So in some ways I was like, it kind of can't be worse. Um, and I think they had like a sports management uh major and a communications and I was like well that feels like a good combo for me because initially mm -hmm. the dream was you know to end up on ESPN mm -hmm. you know as a sportscaster so I was like all right it has this combo that I'm looking for it's a small school I think I could make it work because it can't be as that mm -hmm. bad um and I think I uh I adapted a a level of vigilance um mm -hmm. in Virginia that uh yeah that just became kind of second nature to me, right. um, which I realize now is is awful and traumatic uh, of always looking over your shoulder, of not trusting people, um, you know, making friends and you're like, all right, so why do you want to be my friend? Like, do you think I'm like the cool black kid? Like, you know, mm. Um, mm -hmm. right. Like folks in the dorm asking me, you know, girls in the dorm asking me, oh, can you braid my hair? And they're like, I was like, I can't braid. And they're like, but you're black. What do you mean, mm. right? Or can you teach me how to do the Dougie? And I'm like, I also can't dance. Um, and <laughs> folks saying, being like, oh, well, I'm blacker than you. I can braid and dance. And I'm like, okay, right? Uh, right so right. those things just kind of became a, a norm in a way um, that I think was really unhealthy. Um, mm. And I think I, I kind of knew that was not... Um, yeah, it was not a place for me to thrive because I had always kind of been this pro-Black uh, radical person, right? So I spent, uh, easy, I think I probably told you this, I spent six months of high school signing my name as Mariah X uh, mm -hmm. until, Mariah until, X. They, until, they, yeah, until they threatened to suspend me. Oh, and wow. I had a teacher who was like, all right, oh, I'm over it. Like, I will suspend you if you do this one more time. Just because of the X, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just because that's of that. wild. That's wild. Um, I was a, uh, I did speech and debate, and for uh -huh. three years I lost every single tournament because I did every uh, poetry piece that I did for three years about police brutality, oh, knowing man. that there I would go. lose. So but, I, yeah. so I, I trained and I practiced for three years, knowing that I would lose every single tournament for three years because right. I refused to do 
pieces on anything other than police brutality. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was like the person that I was going in. So I was like, all right, this isn't going to phase me. But I think at some point I kind of realized this is wearing me down. And right. mm -hmm. at some point, like, I can't, I can't survive with my walls up, with my defenses up 24 mm -hmm. seven like this, because right. like, right. I'm like, dang, I'm only like 19 and I'm exhausted. <laughs> Right, like right. I, I yeah, can't yeah. do this forever. Yeah, I understand. Um, I understand. So, so I transferred to Hampton, and mm -hmm. I mean, it was the biggest, like, uh, just confidence boost, like recharging, retooling, refueling place. Like, HBCU. I say all the time. Yeah, I say yeah. all the time. I would not have been the person I needed to be to go to Yale if it wasn't for Hampton. Mm. Um, like Hampton made me the person who who could go into an Ivy League space and know who I was and be confident in my knowledge and be confident in what I know and uh, and just who I was as a person um, in a way that I would have never gotten in Lynchburg. I would have came run down and already exhausted and not ready to to do the work that I needed to do at Yale. Hmm. Now, what made New Haven home besides Yale? Um, hmm. I think it, it's a very, uh, I think it's a very sad answer now because initially it was the church that I was working at. Mm. Um, uh, I was working with uh, some amazing kids. Um, and I mean, those kids changed my life. Like I had, I was, before that, I was never a person who even liked kids. Like I wasn't like a kid's person. I didn't babysit. Like I didn't like kids. I, I get it. Um, I get it. I totally get it. But I, I started working I, with I these it. kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I started working with these kids and I was like, man, like, I don't typically like kids, but I like y'all. Um, so after graduation, after graduation, I, yeah. I moved to D.C. for a year mm -hmm. and I was like, I miss these kids bad. Mm -hmm. um, and I kept coming back to New Haven. So I was coming back every three months. Uh, mm -hmm. Also, my hair, my hair was relaxed. So I wasn't right. trying to get a new stylist. So I was mostly coming back for my stylist, but also to like continue working with these kids. Um, and then after I chaperoned their winter retreat, so I took a train from DC mm -hmm. to New Haven mm. uh, to meet up with the kids, to get in a van, to drive four hours to Pennsylvania <laughs> for a weekend retreat, to drive back mm -hmm. to New Haven, <laughs> and then to take the train back, to, back DC to DC yeah. for work on that Tuesday. And I was like, that's mm -hmm. crazy. And I got back to DC and I was like, man, I miss them kids. And I was like, what is going on with me? I was like, I have never like liked kids like this, but I mean, yeah. just the way that they were inquisitive, that they just wanted to learn. They like, they wanted to ask questions about faith. Mm -hmm. um, and they just wanted somebody who like, they knew was going to, to be in their corner. Um, and Someone was just like, going to, exactly. Right. Somebody who wasn't going to judge them mm -hmm. um, and was just going to listen to them. And for me, like that made, uh, that made New Haven home for me. Um, of awesome. course, like I would be remiss without, you know, uh, my best friend would kill me if I, if I didn't say, you know, my best friend also lived in New Haven and was still <laughs> here. Like she's yeah. amazing, love her. But uh, I think definitely it was like the kids and the families mm -hmm. that really like made New Haven feel different to me. Awesome. No, awesome. and 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 um, by uh, as a parent for some of those kids, I, I have to say, uh, it, watching and I kind of got to watch it in a different way than anybody else because you know mm -hmm. I always kind of hung out in the background of that of that church and you know um, got as involved as they would let me until they'd start to annoy me and then I back off, um, <laughs> you know. And no, it's true, it's true, and uh, and they all know that every single one of them. They're like, yeah, yeah. probably, um, you know. And then they get it. Like they they, they afforded mm. me a little bit more than they would afford normal people because I don't know why. Um, but yeah, I remember. I think one of the first years that you were out there. I think just for the like the internship even. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know, you and I were just talking just to talk. Um, and you and you were telling me how every once in a while you would have to go and hide out in stairwells at Yale. Um, because it, it was just socially too much. And then to see you, you know, take on these bigger atmospheres of going out with the children and, you know, taking them to another state and, and you know, taking them to Jordan's, uh, you know, high flying thing for no apparent reason, you know, mm -hmm. having to people that much, you know, mm -hmm. I, I remember 
when when you sat down as the massive introvert, then I'd be like, oh, come to a show. You're like, I don't people. I don't, I'm not going to do that. But you're also very honest about it too. Cause you just look at me like, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm probably never going to do that. So just so you know, mm -hmm. you know, and now you're, you're someone that fully engages and fully is at the point of really starting your own type of, of community. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I wanted to get to as after you were talking about, um, you know, going from Lynchburg to, to Hampton, it also seems like that's where you're at again. You know, you were very beaten down by, by the corporate structure of things. You're very beaten down by how things are supposed to be in a dollars and cents type of way. And yes, we understand. We don't pour salt in anyone else's hustle. You know, um, you've got, you got to pay the light bill. You got to make sure you, the people in which you, you employ, uh, you know, get, get their money. And unfortunately, a lot of the people that have money are the people that are despicable. Um, sorry, I'm going to say it. Um, I said it. And if anyone has any sort of hate mail about it, feel free to send it to Prestige because I don't care. Um, but, but I care about this. Now, then, oh, wow. But now you're developing this community and it is super important. And that is one thing that, that no matter what from, from that church structure, I did understand that your community is super important, but who you include in your community is 100% up to you. Um, and that's one of the things that I think is so loving and incredible. And mm -hmm. I love how you are now formulating this community. And you've really even taken this community online as per, um, you do a lot of content creation for TikTok and you work in, in those type of aspects. What is it like now taking just being yourself and branding just an extension of you or your personality for public consumption? Gotcha. Prestige, was there something you wanted to add in oh, there before I... Oh, no, that was a great question. That, 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 that was a chef's kiss. So I'm just going to let you answer that. <laughs> so I'm just going to I'm gonna step back and, uh, yeah. you know, just uh, pay attention right now. <laughs> so it, it's uh, it's interesting because uh, I was uh, speaking of my best friend. We were uh, hanging out on Thursday and I was just telling her, I was like, I don't know what to call it. I was like, uh, I feel like I'm a freelance pastor a community pastor, a pe the people's pastor, right? Where, uh, you know, I, I'm i no longer associated with any, I'm no longer tied to any institution, but mm -hmm. the work of like being a person who cares for people and walks with people through the ups and downs of life is a thing that, um, that I think is just like part of who I am. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think easy to your point about like being like out on people, I think the more that I have, one, like come into this, uh, yeah, I have found what is my liberation um, and I have discovered what that is. And two, like uh, the, lean more into like actually who I'm called to be and like what I've been built for. Um, I realize I, I have a little bit more bandwidth and I can do things um, if, I, uh, if I kind of, if I, paint the picture to myself in a certain way, uh, right? Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, it's not peopling, right? I'm connecting with people and I'm building networks and that feels different to me right. than, you know, just being with people for people's sake, right? Um, because I think at my core, regardless of job title, I, um, in every area I'm in, whether I like it or not, right? Like whether I try to or not, I'm a person who is going to be a pastor. I'm a person who's going to, want to care for people um, and walk with people through difficult things, right? Um, even now with the former church I was at, there are people who are there and they're going through tough times. And I'm like, so I don't really care about like the organizational things, but how are you mm -hmm. dealing with those yeah. things, right? Um, and I'm like, I don't know how to, to be in contact with people and around people without mm -hmm. caring in that way. Um, mm -hmm. So that then translates to the, the the other communities I'm building. That then translates to you know content creation and TikTok, where um, even as I teach theology on TikTok, um, there's a lot of people who just like spew information. Mm -hmm. um, but I think mm -hmm. I think my thing is um, my goal is always that it has an end with people um, gaining knowledge in that will serve their, their fur the furthering of their liberation, right? Mm -hmm. Collecting knowledge and knowing facts and all of that will not serve you if it doesn't, um, if it doesn't kind of go back to contributing to 
mm-hmm. a, a level of freedom, a level of like abundance and liberation. Um, and which is, I think, fitting that my kind of area of specialty or my area of study is liberation theology, because I'm like, mm-hmm. theology does no good if it's not further liberating us in our struggles. Mm. So, um, so that I think, even though those things can in some ways feel different and disparate, I think the the underlying kind of tie, the the core of it all, is is helping people. Uh, get free and, and find out what freedom is um, from oppression, from religious trauma, uh, from religious oppression and white supremacy and all of those things. Mm. So so now the, the, the $50 million question, and I'm, I'm just gonna say this, and after I say it, um, we are go- going to make this happen. So you, you no longer make have- Make it happen story. on WNHHLP um, 103.5 FM New Haven, my house self prestige and my partner in crime, Long Island Rays, Elm City made easy blues, continue. So, you know, you and I have talked about branding and independent branding and all that kind of stuff. And we've always kind of like just sat at that, that, that moment. Now, in the way that you've gone with growing your TikTok audience and all those different things. So the next evolution for you is a podcast. You know that, right? Uh, I do. And there's been yeah, thoughts you know, there and, yeah. you know, nah, I've nah, thought nah, about nah. it. But, but that's, here's the thing. You have to just treat it like it's a service. Every every Sunday or every Tuesday or whatever, you, you, you have a sermon and, you know, you talk about the things in, in that sermon. You go for, for that hour and you, you put you put it throughout there. And then for the rest of the week, you clip it so that you have mm-hmm. extra content that, that, that's moving forward and, and, and shaping that aspect. Then you can have guest people on there to talk about different things. You know, that's your church is is just broader. Yeah. Your, your, yeah. You know, your, your, your affiliation is, is to the world. Your affiliation is to a corporate structure. So, you know, go be, go, go, go be the punk rock preacher and, you know, handle it that way. A full do it yourself. You know, you can, you can have the, the, a GoFundMe, not even a GoFundMe. You can have um, a Patron, uh, a mm-hmm. Patreon, you know, type, type of thing right there. You know, I, we, we, I know a whole bunch of graphic design people. We can get you logos and all that kind of different stuff so that it is at least sustainable. So now you have sure. the, the, not only, you know, this thing to put the word out there, but you have something that might be able to sustain itself so you can continue to put the word out there and still go out there and do everything else that you're doing. Engaging, you know, being, you know, one of the top pickleball players in all of pickleball. And how did the pickleball journey happen? Now let's get Man. into the pickleball journey. Man, that's that's hilarious. Uh, the pickleball thing happened because uh, there was a tournament in uh, there was a tournament in New Haven back in the spring, uh, and a friend of mine was playing in the tournament, and I went, and I was like, oh, I can do this. I, I was like, I, I saw, it, I was like, oh, I could do this, um, and then kind of played and got hooked, and was like, oh, this is a thing that honestly, I am, I'm down to like work at and become good mm-hmm. at. Um, and, and again, like now I find it that I'm just, I'm like, oh, I'm, I want to go where I can, where the people are, where I can connect with people and, and build relationships. So now I'm like building relationships with folks who are in my neighborhood and around the city, uh, playing pickleball. Literally, I have, uh, I have already hit up the group chat for this afternoon. I was like six thirty-seven. All right. I'm going to be out there. Um. Right. And like it's it's kind of become this uh this very cool uh, addiction for me and, and especially during this time where uh, I you know I have not so recently um you know left the church and have been like in between jobs I'm like oh I have some free time and like something to to feel like I'm working towards um, so I'm hoping to enter into my first tournament in September uh, here in New Haven mm-hmm. and uh, and I'm working with the coach and everything so I'm. Uh, I'm trying to be a pickle ball evangelist out here. I think it's great for everybody. <laughs> it's a great way to meet your neighbors and get some exercise in. Uh, my quads are looking better than they ever have before. Um, so I highly, I highly recommend it for everybody. Hmm. <laughs> quads on fleek, as as the kids say these days. As the kids say these days. But I, I think, I think that's awesome, and I love again how you just naturally come into this aspect you know the the pickleball evangelist i mean come on come on that's i see shirts i see things like these are the things that can happen 
but we don't have to look at it in that huge scale. You know, this is this is why I love this show so much because we talk about the everyday scale. We talk about, you know, finding out what you want to do with the rest of your life and having fun with it, but just being able to survive, you know, to be able to not just survive, but thrive just a little bit. Like I don't need, you know, 17 car garage. I just need a roof over my head and I need food in my, in, in, in my stomach. And, and that's the purest form of happiness. Um, as you are continuing to grow and, and build and, and go on to that, that next evolution, where do you think your next stop is going to be? Uh, my next stop in terms of, in, uh, in terms of what? Your future. In terms of who you're going to be. Yeah. Like who are you going to be? What, what are the future goals you got? Like what, what's upcoming? What can we expect? From yeah. You? Um, I think, you know, I think the big, the biggest thing is, uh, so I took a, a little bit of a break from content creation. Because um, mm -hmm. after, uh, I'll just say it, after losing my job and being fired as a pastor, uh, oh, that uh, that that level of discouragement, like I was like, I have nothing to say to people. Like it took me a long time to uh, to kind of convince myself again that I wasn't a bad pastor, mm -hmm. that I wasn't um, right. uh, you know not called to this, that I actually do have things to say. So that took quite a while um, mm -hmm. because I think people, uh, yeah when people don't like the way you do the things that you do, they, you know, they give you the boot. Um, and just because, you know, a group of people decided that they didn't like the way I was pastoring doesn't mean that I am not right. a good pastor. It doesn't mean that um, I'm bad. I just wasn't a fit for them. And now looking back on it, I'm glad I'm not a good fit for them because that's not the type of organization that I want to be a fit in, right? I don't want to fit in there. Um, so I, I I am now working my way back towards content creation. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, a podcast definitely makes a lot of sense. Uh, I definitely want to do some more writing, mm -hmm. um, even if it's, you know, articles and things like that. Um, and kind of getting, uh, yeah, getting that content creation muscle back because uh, it's right. definitely harder when um, when you don't have the, uh, the boundaries of like, oh, I'm preaching this week, or I need to write a sermon for this, I need to write a lesson for this. So when it's all self-motivated, it's definitely harder um, when you're also trying to like build your confidence back uh, as well. So um, so definitely coming back to TikTok, um, definitely some writing in the future, and uh, and maybe this podcast. Every time I talk Amazing. to Easy, I'm I'm always I'm always I'm always more encouraged than I was the last time. So uh, <laughs> not so maybe yeah. I'm gonna I have your number. This is gonna I have you're a right. microphone. Like we 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 can we can have this up and running. We'll talk off air, not not on air. We don't have anything written down. There's no copyrights. Um, but no, what, what's what's super super interesting, and 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 the one thing that I hope when everyone goes back and listens to this over and over and over again, they pull this incredible piece of of, of nugget out of your story, which is you had issues with peopling because you were being forced to people on someone else's thing. You had a tr you had problems when you were trying to be that person for other people instead of being yourself. And once you discover who you are, you can accomplish anything. And sure. that, you know, is the most incredible lesson of all. And really the most Christ-like lesson, because once you discover who you are, once Christ discovered who, who the, he was, who they were, you know, it was able to go about and do this next mission and, and do this thing out of love, you know, and whether, it's Ricky Bobby's favorite um, Jesus and you're playing the baby Jesus or my favorite Jesus and it's tape, table flipping Jesus or, you know, Preston's favorite Jesus, the one that always makes sure the Steelers win for him. That, you know, it, all of those Jesuses are just uh, as important. That, that Jesus is long and gone, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, not even the devil can help out the Steelers. So we got <laughs> But uh, Mariah. I mean, um, I was just trying to include you, bro. No, no I, I appreciate that. And I, and I already felt included with this conversation. But uh, for someone who wants to feel included, for someone who wants to feel connected, um, even this question is for parents as well, too. And um, just for anybody in general, um, what are some easier ways just to talk to somebody about Christ and Jesus? Because religion can be such a tough topic to talk about with someone who just feels lost 
or probably doesn't believe mm -hmm. at all. Uh, what are some ways you can encourage someone to up and open up a conversation about God? Because it can be difficult for some people. Yeah, I think uh, the best ways to to open up to open up lines of communication mm -hmm. um, is to ask questions and to genuinely listen to the answers, right? Um, and continue to allow folks to ask questions. The answers, answers to those questions don't matter as much as you think they do, mm -hmm. right? When folks are like, oh, so, you know, why is this, or, or do you believe that this thing in the Bible actually happened and all of that? The actual answers to that don't matter nearly as much as we think they do. Um, it more so matters that folks, that you are allowing folks to ask their questions and honestly listening and honestly uh, in just engaging and being present, right? Um, one thing that I have learned, if nothing else, from working with young people um, is allowing, the, giving them a space to ask their questions will mm -hmm. reveal all of, so many things about what's actually on their hearts, so many things about the things that they're actually concerned about and care about. Um, and having those answers, you know, as an adult, you wanna have all of the answers and be like, oh, I, I can answer all your questions. Right. They don't really care about the, the answers, they just want to know that somebody uh, cares enough to listen, mm. uh, and that it and that is showing more, uh, yeah, more of the love of Jesus than evangelism, than you know, preaching the gospel and all of that. It's being present with folks and allowing people to have genuine, honest conversations and feel like you're you're actually listening and being present with them. Mentally noted. Thank you so much, Easy Blues. No, I, I think I think that's awesome, and I, I think that was that was amazing. Um, you know that genuineness is so super important, and that's that's one of the things that we love about you. And we're going to continue to celebrate with you and through evolution upon evolution upon evolution. You know, we are at this point in time though; they are pulling the Apollo curtain on us. Um, one thing that I just want, you know, because you are your ministry is more youth based as per right now, and I do say as per right now because you know caveats and yada yada. Um, that young kid that is being told even by the corporate Christianity that they don't have a place. Can you just tell them for us right now that they are seen and they are loved? And what is that advice that you would tell them? Right now? Oh, of course. Um, yeah. I would tell them that, um, that no church has the place to tell you who you are. Uh, no, no, nobody can, uh, no person can uh, deny uh, the fact that you are loved by God, right? Uh, no. Scripture says like, no demon in hell, no principality, nor life, nor death, like can ever separate us from the love of God. Um, so no thing in your life, no uh, orientation, no identity, nothing um, you could ever do, have done, will ever separate you. Like it is impossible. Um, and as you take steps to connect to God, God also takes steps to connect with you, right? Um, and don't let other people put in barriers that God never intended to be there because you are loved exactly as you are right now, uh, flaws and all, uh, awkwardness and all, um, just as you are. You are undeniably loved. Awesome. And please give out that social media so anybody can contact you and wish to connect with you. You can find me on all social media at Rev Raya, R-E-V-R-I-A-H. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much for being part of Behind the Brand. We do appreciate you, myself, and Easy Blues. On Thank w you so much for having me. I appreciate no, it. No doubt. On WNHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. Trying to figure out what it's all about Excellentialist Am I worth anything or just a scout? I don't know 